the Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Just doesn't feel like an official show unless you hear that stupid song. Oh, you're getting crafty with that. You went left, right ear. I like how you That's did right. that. You like that? You're crazy, bro. Shane Smith's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. This guy, this one guy in front of us right now, I have probably enjoyed your online videos more than anything I have ever watched online, and that is the God's honest truth. Amen. I've been turning people on to you for a long time, man, and I, I, I don't remember which was the first one that I saw. Somebody sent a link to it on the message board. I don't remember which it one was it was. the Vice Guide to Travel. Uh, the Might have been Thailand. Mine was that. It was you chilling in a bathtub with some lady boys. Yes. And I was like, this dude's a bad motherfucker. He's got a big smile on his face, and he's chilling in a bathtub with these lady boys. Yeah. And, and then, of course, I saw the, the Liberia one, and then I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? And then I started going, these, these guys are fucking nuts, man. They're just going to the weirdest situations, and they're giving you like a real take on it. It seems like people you know went to Liberia and saw the situation and, and broke it down intelligently, but it seems like people you know, whereas like, if I watch a 60 Minutes piece on Liberia and they send a correspondent, I don't know that dude. Right. I don't know that dude, you know? The difference with what you guys are doing is, whether whether it's Hamilton Morris doing drugs or whether it's you know you going somewhere or your boy you just went to the Congo, I feel like those are re- regular people. Those aren't they're not bullshit artists. Right. I'm not getting that. That's a rare thing, man. Well, that's the uh, that's the um, I don't know how to close. That's good, guy, right man. there. That's right. That's the, uh, the th- we call it immersionism, where we don't really have a a story before we go. Like for example, Liberia started as an article in the mag, which was General Butt Naked in the Tupac Army. Because they had stolen a container, like a ship with a container, and the container that had uh, Tupac Shakur t-shirts, right? And so it became the uniform of the army. So, <laughs> so exactly. So that's right up Vice's alley. We're like, wow, that's freaky and right. cool. So <clears throat> we didn't really have a story, but when we went there, we just started hanging out with all these warlords. And, they, and each one would tell you a story that was worse than the next. And, and everyone, they're like, oh, yeah, we all ate flesh. And how many people have eaten, you know, human flesh in Liberia? Oh, 70%, you know, 85% of the women have been raped. Like, it's just, it's like such a shocking thing. And you're just talking about cannibalism all the time. It's just a given. Oh, yeah, no problem. They used to eat people in the, in the, in the presidential palace. Fuck. And and you're sitting there going, and not just people, babies, children. They would steal people's babies. Yeah. So the well, butt naked, the guy that we spent a lot of time with. They believe that if they split the back of a living, innocent child open and take out the still beating heart and eat it, that they couldn't be uh, hurt in battle. Oh my god! So they would, and they would fight naked. So they would. That's why he's called General <laughs> Butt Naked. So they would eat the heart, drink the blood. And then take off all their clothes and then just run into battle shooting the shit. And this guy's still alive. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing that he tells this story. Like, wouldn't you want to keep that secret? Well, he's he's now named Joshua Blahi, and he's a a preacher. And they had a tribunal, uh, a council, to sort of see all the war crimes and stuff. And he admitted to sort of killing, you know, and eating, you know, know, 25,000 to 30,000 people. Oh, my God. And... uh, but they they said, oh, you're a you're a preacher now, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, okay, well, it's okay then. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. In 2011, in the world, in the earth that we live on, mm-hmm. that's actually going down. Someone has killed 25,000 people and yeah. eaten babies, yeah. but it's okay now because you're in a cult. Yes. 
That's a great cult to be in, man. I would say that's a good one to join. If you're in a situation where you've eaten about 20,000 people and you're like, fuck, I need a way to not go to jail. How do I explain this? Yeah. Oh, I'm a preacher now. Yeah, oh. he's a, he's a, you know, he was a, a priest in the Crown tribe before, which is they believed in human sacrifice. And he was fighting on the sort of, on the, on the Liberian side, the Crown side against the sort of American-sponsored side. And um, so he had been, you know, a ritualistic cannibal before. Jesus. And then there was not a lot of food during the Civil War, so people just started eating bodies for food. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So would they hunt people and eat them? No, they're, they're, I mean, I'm no, sure. There's enough people dying. Like, there's a lot of dead people just lying around. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What a fucking crazy place on earth. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, like, Mad Max wasn't that bad, <laughs> right? Like, pe what people are worried about with, like, Mad Max... That like living in Thunderdome. That's not as bad. Yeah. I would way rather live in Thunderdome <laughs> yeah. than Liberia. Two men enter, one man leave. It seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. I would live, rather you know? live in Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that sounds completely <laughs> insane. And yeah. Liberia started out as a U.S. slave colony, right? No, it was uh, actually they they took freed slaves and, and they, they brought them back to Africa. They brought them back to Africa. Yeah, and they called it Liberia for freedom. And uh, Monrovia, the capital, is named after President Monroe. And they wrote the Constitution in America, and then they brought the freed slaves over, and then the slaves promptly enslaved the native Africans <laughs> using the plantation method that they had learned in America. Oh, my God. And so for the next sort of 150 years, the American Liberians, so they would have names like Charles Taylor, for example, or very sort of westernized names, would sort of, you know, had enslaved the sort of locals until the guy named Samuel Doe, who was a... Uh, an African Liberian uh, over t overthrew the government and that started a civil war and then Charles Taylor who was educated here in America um, you know went after him and that's when all this cannibalism and lunacy started and Charles Taylor now is uh, on trial or being convicted of war crimes and crimes against humanity but all the other generals like Butt Naked and Bin Laden and Rambo <coughs> they're all still there just sort of hanging out in, in Liberia. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. How, when, did it be, when was it established as a country? So it was established uh, in the 1840s. It so slavery in was made illegal in 1865? Is that what it yeah. was? So it was, it was sort of you know, re repatriated slaves from the north, and then when they outlawed slavery, they would keep going. So I think it was made wow. an actual international state in the 1860s. And then it was, it was sort of American... Um, sort of run it was it was our sort of quasi foray into colonialism and in africa in in africa and then it turned into a it turned into a complete and utter disaster holy shit you want to talk about it? there's no way to make anything worse is there a way <laughs> is there a worse spot on earth no that sounds like the worst spot on earth yeah yeah i mean when you're in there's a place called west point which is the the sort of slum of Monrovia, which by like it doesn't have an electricity grid Monrovia the city or water or anything but there's a bad part no, yeah, <laughs> it's Imagine all bad. That. It's, it's all, like a slum. It's all bad in, in hell. It's all bad, but hell has but, a slum. But there's 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 this one part called uh, um, I just forgot what did I just say? West Point. It's uh, called West Point, and you go there, and it's I mean, it's shocking. It's you know, eight, nine, ten year old kid just smoking heroin, you know, 
you know, slashes across, milky eyes everywhere, you know, stumps everywhere. All these people have fought in wars. Prostitution is just everywhere. Drugs everywhere. And there's just shit in the streets. There's no, like, it's just, it's literally chaos. It's, it's, it's worse than chaos. You're like, well, even in Mad Max, there would be some, yeah, there would be some, you know, two men enter women. There'd be some law. There'd be some sort yeah. of border town. Yeah, something. <laughs> but there's none. It's just fucking crazy. Wow. Like, it's just, it's, it's full on. And, and you can't fix that because those people are fucked. They're programmed that way. They're like wild dogs that want to eat people. Well, the thing is, is they, what I don't you know understand. You know what I mean? Like, well, you can't grown, fix a wild they've, they've dog that wants to eat people. Most of them were child soldiers. So they've grown up just killing yeah. the shit out of people their whole lives. And so this is what I understand is, you know, kill, 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 kill. Okay, stop. And then they don't give them any money or jobs. Unemployment's at 75%. So there's these dudes who have one skill, which is to kill people. They don't have any jobs. And they're just sort of sitting around starving. You're like, well... <laughs> they're just going to start fighting again. And that's why what all the generals said is like one of the guys, Rambo, was like, I am a product of war. I'm a son of war. What do you expect me to do? You know, well, that's all I know how to do. That has got to be the craziest place on earth. <clears throat> it's amazing just even thinking about it, thinking that that's possible, that humanity can slip in, in the same, you know, time frame as you and I sitting yeah. in this, you know, this room with air conditioning and this, yeah. this broadcasting, this signal that's going out to hundreds of thousands of people well, all over the world. Well, this is the future. There's just like a million <laughs> mini cams. <laughs> yeah. this, like, this is like post-Japan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this is, is like the Mad Max of, 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 of podcasting. Of podcasting. Yeah. yeah, this is like uh, the studio where the dude who made those uh, replicants and... Blade Runner, yeah. just like where he would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last like of the V8 interceptors. So that's got to be th as bad as things can go. I mean, you can't think of anything worse. Cannibalism, yeah. smoking heroin in the street as a baby, yeah. everyone's missing arms and yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean, that really, it has to be the worst humanity can get. And it coexists with this. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. The, the one story, you know, we were going to church uh, where Butt Naked was going to uh, preach. And the one story that freaked me out the most was we went to the cemetery in the downtown, you know, the, of Monrovia. And um, <clears throat> there's all the graves were empty and, and they had been opened up. And what had happened is no one had anywhere to live. So they opened up the, the graves, you know, took out the skeletons and just lived in the graves. About 4,000 people were living in the graves, right? 4,000 <clears throat> people. Just living in the graves. And then, so, but he's telling me the story and he's saying, you know, I was taking the bus back from Guinea and I was going and, you know, I got off the bus and they had sort of, you know, cooked sticks of meat. And so he had it and he goes, oh, this is human flesh. And because uh, he knows what human flesh tastes like because he ate a lot. So he goes to the guy and he says, excuse me, you know, I'm general butt naked, but, you know, I'm now converted. Um, that you're someone selling this meat as, you know, beef or whatever, but it's actually human flesh. And uh, they said, how do you know it's human flesh? And he's like, well, because I ate human flesh a lot before. And so as he's telling me the story, I'm just like, all of that is, is just an aside. The, 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 the punchline was when he said, oh, they were actually stealing cadavers, you know, from the hospitals and just cutting them up and making, you know, meat for the, for the buses that go through the border. But so that's the punchline. But meanwhile, <laughs> like I'm sitting in this graveyard which had 4,000 people living in the graves, and he's telling me, well, I knew it was human flesh because, you know, I ate it a lot. And you're sort of sitting there going, wait, all the givens of telling this joke or this story, every given is like, okay, so we're living in a cemetery, we're eating human flesh, and then I found out that they're grave robbing to make, you know, kebabs in the street, and you're Jesus sitting there going, Christ. at that point, you're just going, okay, 
I mean, just any kind of aside, any story, and you're just in, you're all you're at the end of humanity. Like we're all fucking doomed, you know. It, that is the low point. It's yeah. it's got to be. It's the lowest point on earth. Why does it not get more press? Why is that not like a bigger? Like I watched your thing on the Congo, and yeah. th- that really fascinates me because now people are, are at least sort of forced to be paying attention to mm. that part of Africa because it's the source of all the minerals that we mm. need for electronics. And people are starting to realize that. And I didn't realize it until fairly recently. I, I, I wrote a, a message board uh, post asking people, like, is there a way to get a karma-free cell phone? That was yeah, the question. No, no. Like, is there a cell phone where you yeah. can go, I don't feel bad about buying this. No, no, one, no one had to work slave yeah. labor. There was no child labor involved. But there's not. There's not. Coltan is it only, it's like Tanzanite. You know, it comes from you know, one or two places in the world. And the biggest... I think 85% or 90% of it comes from Congo, which is the most fucked up country next to Liberia, or maybe even more. And they've been having just a raging civil war uh, where, you know, they take, again, they kidnap people and turn them into child soldiers and stuff. Um, and all of that is just to get coltan, which is what they need to make tablets or cell phones or what have you. So if you have an iPad or a, a Blackberry, then guess what? You, you know, you're helping sponsor... Uh, you know, with the longest running civil war, and I think it's now, I think it's the seventh bloodiest war in history. Wow. Yeah. But what my thought was like, if this was happening in France, yeah. this would be goddamn front page news well, every day of the it's, week. It's, it's racist, it's, it's weird, yes. it's, yeah. you know, well, it really is like really out front. I mean, yes. that, that's like as out front and racist as you can get. I think it's uh, definitely, there's, 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 you know, a race issue there. It's also, I think that there's a bit of Africa fatigue. Um, because you know it's always it's heavy. interesting way to put it. It's always heavy. It's always you know, and I've been going to Africa for a long time. We do stuff for one, and you know what they're doing there is really positive and really good. And there's lots of good stuff going on, but I, there's also, I mean, you know, <clears throat> there's really bad stuff going on, and 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 I guess people like after a while, it's the same thing too. People are like listening to Iraq and listening to Iraq, and then all of a sudden someone says, "Well, 50 people died in a you know traffic bomb today," and people go, "Oh well." Because they've heard it so many times before. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I went to Sudan, um, you know, we got quite a big scoop <clears throat> when we went there because everyone was saying it was racial. You know, it's Arab on black, Arab on black. And when we went there, they're like, we're all black. I mean, it's, <laughs> they just want the oil. They did this exact same thing in the South. They killed two million people, displaced five million, all for the oil. And now they found oil in Darfur and they want to kick everybody out. It's very simple. And no one had reported on that it was about oil. No one, not anyone in the Western press. Al Jazeera had done one story on it. And it was all race, 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 race. And you're like, it's about oil. <laughs> like, you know, they, that, that the, the whole Darfur, Darfur conflict is about oil. So anyway, um, it, it's, it's weird what happens in Africa and the press uh, and how it doesn't really cover it. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Watching your Congo documentary made me think, you know what? This is the only documentary I've ever watched on the Congo outside of ones that go deep into the wildlife. Sure, yeah. You know, what, what a lot of people don't know about the Congo is it, it was uh, grasslands to, mm. for fairly recently. Mm. And then it filled in with jungle. And it's mm. like one of the, the strangest ecosystems in the world. Yeah. It's the place where they have that, that one gigantic chimpanzee. Yeah, Do you yeah. know about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, were they, did you, have you ever been? Have you gone to the Congo? I've been to the Congo, yeah. But did you actually go in? You actually went yeah. into the jungle? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And, yeah. The you, fuck well, is that like? The first, time, the first time we went, you know David Cho? Do you know that guy? David Cho. He's an artist. He's like, a, he's like a famous graffiti artist, and then he became a, a, a sort of fine artist or whatever. 
Okay. He's a really good artist, a good, cool guy. He does a series for us called um, Thumbs Up, <clears throat> and he hitchhiked across America. Jesus Christ. And then he hitchhiked across uh, China, and <clears throat> I think he's hitchhiking across North Africa next. But anyway, uh, he went because there's the like German Zoological Society, the National Geographic Society, and all these people are looking for this dinosaur deep in the middle of the Congo. Oh, this I've part, heard of that. There's this part that nobody's ever really gotten into, and only the pygmies can go through, and they all speak in, to each other in song, and no one can understand them. And he was trying to get to the pygmies. He was trying to get to see the dinosaur because he believes the dinosaur exists. And so when he went in there, it just sort of gets harder and harder and weirder and weirder and weirder. And then people are making, oh, you want to see the dinosaur? You want to see the dinosaur? And they, they make him drink this fucking potion. And then they come out all dressed as dinosaurs, but like in <laughs> palm fronds and shit. And he's like hallucinating, going, well, what the fuck is going on? You know? and so, so he didn't he didn't get in to see the dinosaur because he went crazy before that. But that's sort of like that's sort of like the Congo. Like it's it is the heart of darkness. The the, the deeper you get into it. It just gets freakier and freakier and weirder and and just, you know, you can't even... Like, for example, you know, again, to go back to your Mad Max thing, you think that there's going to be some sort of rule, some sort of warlords will come up with some sort of law or something. You know, Barter Town has to have a fucking law. There's no law. Like, it's chaos. It's just... It's like, ah, there's a thing. I'll eat it. You know, there's something. Kill it. You know, like... and Fuck. and And... You know, it's just, it's staggering. Like, it's its literally chaos. It's is that what happens anarchy. to people when well, you this leave them alone? This is it. If you scratch, this is why religion, you know, I was driving here and there's all these churches and I was thinking about it. I was like, they have these churches and religion and society and laws and all this stuff because left to our own devices, man, we are bad. We're just like We're chimps. bad. Kill it, fuck it, and eat yeah. it. We're just like chimps. Yeah. I mean, that's really what the problem is. We're like 96 whatever percent chimps. This, yeah. ch- this chimp in the Congo has been fascinating to me because it's a, it's a giant chimp. It's yeah, like yeah. six feet tall. Yeah. They have pictures of it walking upright, and they kill leopards. Yeah, yeah. They have a video of one eating a fucking leopard. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, the locals call them lion killers. They have yeah. two words for chimps, tree beaters and lion killers. Right. And they get gray hair, and their back stick up like so, a dog when they get excited. Yeah. Like, what a wild fucking animal, man. That's a That's, real animal. They know it exists. They have, yeah. they have uh, fecal matter samples. Yeah. They have DNA, tissue, hair, video, pictures. Yeah. They know, like, this is a real, legit chimp. And they can't get to it. It's yeah. just too fucking far into crazy town. You know, you'd have to you'd have to hike a month into the jungle, you know, to get to this one fucking pack of who knows how many of these things are left, and who knows how many of those, you know, in, in the conflict. Who knows how many of those have been killed? Because there's a big picture of one of them that you can see if you look up uh, Bondo Ape online mm-hmm. and look in the photo section of Google. There's one where there's two dudes that look like you know regular sized guys, you know, 150, mm-hmm. 160 pounds, and they got this giant dead chimp, mm-hmm. and they killed it in the Congo. They yeah. shot it. Yeah, and it's they're like one arm around one of them. I mean, the thing looks fucking huge. It looks like it's 300, 400 pounds. <laughs> And these guys are sitting there posing with it with I a think big bullet another, hole in I his think chest. there's another sponsor of the show. It's like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's coming. <laughs> All blue. It's coming, July 15th. man. Yeah, yeah. 3D. Well, it's just fascinating to me that this can exist. This, you know, Pasadena can exist at the same time as yeah, the Congo. For sure. And it's all on the same timeline. I mean, that's yeah. a, I mean, if you look at historical timelines, how many times has this existed before when, you know, when Atlantis was around? What the fuck was the rest of the world like? Right, you know, right. are there just, is that humanity? Are we just shining spots and then just everything else, just a full spectrum all the way down to Congo? Yeah, it's uh, it, when you when you take away any sort of rules, when you take away shit, 
We are bad, bad people. That's why people, as they get older, become Republicans. Right. Yeah, That's what afraid. it is. They start, you know, like, they start understanding human nature. And don't they go, let the children oh, come knife you, me. You fucking people need discipline. Don't let them put a knitting needle in my liver. Yeah, show me a man who's a young man who's not a liberal, and I'll show you a man with no heart. Show me an old man who is not a conservative, and I'll show you a man with no brain. Right, right. There you go. It's, there's a certain element of human nature. I don't yeah. know who, who said that, but there's a certain element it's of good, human good, nature. Good it is a good quote. quote yeah. yeah, I don't remember who wrote it, though. You're supposed That's to remember right. it's, it's much more the just authentic. Say, just say, you know. <laughs> Some smart dude. Yeah, no. I don't know who actually said this one. And then you actually sound. Left better. to our own devices. But I wonder if that's going to change now because of the internet. I wonder if, uh, you know, we think about how, how, what a short period of time it's been around since, you know, the mid-90s mm. to now. You know, that's a, it's a blip in human history. And yeah. the dissemination of information is so much easier now. I wonder if that's going to change things. I wonder if that's going to. You know, spread well, you know. the better life, or spread the idea of the better life across the world. Because, like, do they have the? They have the internet in the Congo? No. Nothing. No. Shit. No. Cell phones? Not really. No. No. Wow. No. Holy shit. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's weird because you know I was in Libya uh, during the revolution, and and. They all had cell phones, and that's how they were communicating, and that's how they did it. Actually, they did a lot of their organization through Twitter and stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> but they were still pretty hardcore. <laughs> like, it, it was just a tool. It, didn't, it wasn't changing anything for the better. It was just making them more efficient. Well, I guess not for the better, because I, I think that it was essential in, in, in sort of Arab Spring, you know, to have ways of communication that the government couldn't shut down. But uh, didn't they know. eventually wind up killing the whole internet? Did they they, they, they did, yeah, <clears throat> they did. But uh, they opened uh, sites that you could get through through dumb phones, even. Oh. Yeah, and then the rebels freed up the the cell phone towers so that people could communicate. <sighs> yeah, but they did. They the, Egypt shut down the whole internet. When you see that, and then you come back to America, and you see Occupy Wall Street, yeah. do you, what do you what do you think? Do you like, oh shit? Do you guys know what the rest of the world is like? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna shut this thing down? I think Occupy Wall Street is funny. We did a lot of stories on it. Um, you know, just because you know, I always say uh, Europe gets up my nose because their politics is kind of like first year university. It's it's like they read a book, you know, <laughs> and so therefore I know politics, but. American politics is like high school, you know, and so there's a, they're like, well, we just want to, you know, the rich people should give more to the to the poor people, and everyone should just share it more. And you're like, well, that's redistribution of wealth. That's communism. <laughs> that's yeah. each according to his own according to his own. And you, and you sit there and say, well, if you're taking money, if the state gets to take money from everyone and decide who gets it. Well, you can just look at the Soviet Union or, or China before they became the most capitalist country on earth. So is that what you're saying? Yeah. You, you want communism? No, we don't want that. We just want it to be nicer. We want it to be fair. And so, yeah, you hear I would, the, why I, do you need all that money? But I would when be, I I'm would, just looking for a job. Right. Why do you need I would be more, million? I would be more into it for sure because I like chaos and I like riots and stuff. <laughs> I like, no, but during a destratification, like we're a young new media company, so... During destratification of power, you get in, you know, so, so you right. like chaos. Chaos is what we, what we feed on, what makes us. Do you worry about your safety when you go into these situations? N not really. Really? Mm -mm. Do you just get hammered and fucking plow through? Like, how do, you, how do you deal with being in Libya in the moment of... It's not really scary until you see it in the edit room, you know, like it's, wow. it's, it's just you're there. You know how it is. You fly in somewhere and you're kind of amped. 
and then shit happens and people start shooting and you're talking to dudes and they're going and we're gonna fucking kill those guys and you're like oh, just thinking like what am i gonna ask this dude next you know right and then like you get the shot of the shooting or whatever the fuck it is jesus christ and then you're just there and like fuck it we need to eat something what are we gonna eat and i got the shits and i gotta go you know and you're just and then get the fuck out go 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 and then you're just on a plane and then you just collapse because you're tired and then when you actually watch it in the edit suite, you're like, oh, fuck, that was a bit hairy. Yeah, I was hanging out with a cannibal. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I was just in Siberia, and uh, that was actually, we, we, it was really, we, had, we got really fucked up. <laughs> and uh, it's a long story, I'll tell you, but, but uh, I realized then that was one, because so, Siberia is so big, it takes like two days to get anywhere. So when you're running, you have time to reflect on everything and why you're there and all this stuff. And we were running across Siberia in this sort of smuggler's route. And, um, and then I was a bit scared because I'm like, like the FSB were after us, who's now the KGB. The militia were after us, like the, the, the local police were after us, and the North Korean sort of thugs were after us. Jesus Christ, why were they all after you? So we broke this story. Um, it's gonna, we're going to put it out in our, my new HBO show. But, uh, so I, did, I went to North Korea twice, and then uh, I did two documentaries in North Korea and they became, I had like 250 million video views or something. It was like a big internet thing, and we won a bunch of Webbies. And so that was one of my big documentaries. So I've been fascinated with North Korea ever since. I watched the thing on North Korea. It was amazing. Thanks. And so, but you never really get to talk to North Koreans, right? And so I'm like, I'd like to just fucking talk to these guys and see what the real deal is. Like, because everyone you talk to there is just like, Kim Jong-il is God, and, you know, Kim Il-sung is God, and everything's great, and we love it here. So we heard about these slave labor camps where Kim Jong-il is exporting his people to become slaves or he'll arrest them or he's taking concentration camps within North Korea and, he, and he, he, he sends them to Siberia out in the middle of fucking nowhere and they do like logging and mining and shit for 10 years for no pay and then they pay Kim Jong-il and then Kim Jong-il you know supports his regime with that money so he's he's selling slaves uh, oh shit yeah big story <clears throat> and so we went to siberia and uh it's really hard to get there <laughs> I, I came in through china and then into kabarovska and then i was just taking like train after train after train after train like two-day train after two-day train after two-day train and then you finally get out in the middle of nowhere and it's all north korea like they built it to look like north korea siberia in siberia yeah and so it's Russia, and, and so they, but they have these like little North Korean towns with just North Korean writing. And, North, and some of the, the people, the North Koreans, they don't actually know that they're not in North Korea. They what? Think, they think they're in North Korea, <laughs> but they're in Siberia. What? Yeah. Wow. So anyway. Holy shit. So, so, right, so, we have, so we broke this story. No one else has done it yet, except for the guy uh, who was with us, Simon Otrovsky, who, who, who did it in Russia. And he's, you know, he's freaking out because they're, they're making... They're making uh, uh, so they, they do Larch, which goes to make like basically every like desk or computer table in the world. So everybody has this furniture, IKEA or everywhere, and um, uh, it's all done by slaves. Oh my right? god! North, North Korean slaves. But you know, we heard you could actually go talk to them. You know, because it's not in North Korea and they can't do anything. Uh, to you know, to you know, so if you can talk. To so them. they're just trapped by location. There's no way to get out of there because there's, there's no, no way to, to get out. There's no way to get out. But uh, uh, they're trapped. All, well, they have they have like their own you know security and police and. and so you're not allowed to leave. You no no you're not. You allowed. are a, a, no. an actual slave. Yeah yeah yeah. Holy shit! So so, they, so we went there. What and, percentage do you think believe it's North Korea? 
You know, we talked to a bunch of people there um, uh, when we finally talked to the North Koreans. And uh, it was pretty interesting because, y- y- you know, you don't get to talk to, to them in North Korea. And there they were saying, we're here to work for the, for the, for the motherland. And, you know, we're, we're trying to increase our, our, our standard of living. And we're trying to make things better in the country. We're trying to help the hunger, which is really interesting because they'll never say that in North Korea. Everything's perfect in North Korea. The rest of the world is fucked. And so they're actually saying North Korea is fucked. We're here to try to alleviate the, you know, the, the suffering of our people. So now you've already got insight into the real people know that it's fucked. The real people know that you know, there's no food. The real people, whereas they don't say that. You never hear that anywhere else in North Korea. But anyways, uh, I don't know the percentage. I mean, we talked to a few people who were like, you know, why are there sort of American imperialists here in our country? We're like, well, we're in Russia. You know, like, so. Wow. It was fucked up. Wow. But anyways, so, the Russians So they were after you for what? Well, the reason? Russians didn't want... So we went to this place. We weren't supposed to go there. There's no cops up there. It's so far away. So, but there's some mob dudes. And so we met the mob dudes. And the mob dudes were taking us around. They were super nice. And um, they took us around. So the, the North Koreans couldn't fuck with us too much because we were with the mob. And then... Uh, so we, we get on the train to go back to sort of civilization. And all the North Koreans got on. And then when we got to the next sort of town, there was FSB, who was the ex-KGB, the militia, the local police, and then these thugs that the North Koreans worked with. And they all came after us. And, like, Simon Atrosky's, I got to say, he's fucking, that's a real hero because he, the FSB was like, you're coming with us. And, we're, and Simon's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. And he had these sort of uh, Russian Federation sort of press credentials that he had made up for us. And he's going, the Ministry of Propaganda knows that we're here. We are totally allowed to be here. You're not allowed to do anything. You have to call the ministry in Moscow. And he was like really, you know, being tough with these guys. These guys are like bad boys, you know. KGB types and so he wouldn't go anywhere with them so while they went to call and the FSB guys we said well we're going to go check into our hotel we went to go check into our hotel and then did a like we went behind the thing and jumped into another car that we had called so we jumped like did a running jump where we just chucked our shit into another car then the other car went out and then we met another car on the edge of town and went out but there's no real roads in Siberia it's only the the um the railway the Trans-Siberian so we're like, if we get on, if we jump the, the train, they're going to know we're just going to get us at the next stop. So we had to drive in this Jeep, like across Siberia with no roads, like in through ruts and hunting tracks and shit. Holy to, to the, shit. To the Chinese border. How long did it take? Two days. <laughs> and we got to the Chinese border. There's this little known place called, not Kamaros, but I'll remember later. But there's, it's sort of half in Russia, half in China. And in between, there's an island. And it's like a mega sort of trading, sort of shitty mall thing where you can just buy like Chinese products and people go and trade and there's no real border. So we, we knew about that because we hang out with the mob and the mob told us that's how they smuggle shit. So we went to this little mall thing and you just walk in on one side, you're in Russia and walk out the other side and you're in China. And that's how we got out. Otherwise, we would have been fucked. <sighs> Did they talk about the machine when you were there? <laughs> the mob? No. Inside joke. Uh. So yeah, the, the, we, we hung out with the mafia dudes, and the mafia dudes were awesome. They're the guys who told us about the smugglers' road to get out. They're the guys who told us how to get across the border. They're the guys who saved us from the North Koreans and from the FSB. What is this smuggler's route like? Is it like all just dirt, like, bumpy yeah, roads? Yeah, exactly. Do you go in 20 miles an hour the whole way? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. And like hunting tracks. And, and what about and gas? They, 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 they carry it. They so brought they, it all with yeah, them. Yeah, it's like Mad Max. They have a big uh, uh, fuel tanks in the back. Fucking 
Christ. Yeah, it's fucking hardcore. It was wow. Hardcore. That's as hardcore journalism as journalism yeah, gets. Yeah, we and actually the piece. It's funny because it took so long to get there that we're just on the train forever. So we're just getting wasted on the train, and <laughs> it starts off really sort of stupid. Like I was saying, Heart of Darkness. It was like you know when you go into the Congo. As you go into Siberia, it just gets weirder and weirder and drunker and drunker. And so dudes are just like literally blind drunk and fucking like there's people doing murders on the train. They have cops. And Jesus like Christ. No, it's crazy. Like it's so, and you can see it. Like you see it on the, uh, in the, on the footage. I don't know if we have any. Did we bring that footage? Yeah, I, I got the footage right here. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah pull some of that shit up. I got to see this. And this, is this the stuff that's going to be in the HBO show? Yeah. Uh, which one should I play first, you know, or just? I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Let's play Siberia if they have it. Oh, wow. You guys are like super tech. That's <laughs> him, not me. Wow. Um, this is like the Road Warrior of Love. Which one was it? I'm, I love it here. I'm not, I don't want to leave. We, dude, we can't read that. Uh, let's see. Are they labeled? Yeah, it says this is North Korea. Well, that's North Korea. Well, we can show North Korea. North Korea's fucked. Well, let's see the Siberia one, because that's what we were just talking about. Right. Yeah. Labor games, Korea. It doesn't say Siberia. It says port bombing, rebels. What would it be labeled Nokio. as? I think it... Noko. Noko? Okay. Noko, maybe. Okay. Noko slave camps? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Bombing, Liberia... There's Billy the Fish. We finally found our North Koreans deep in the bush and were busy talking to them when things started to get a bit hairy. Yeah, these guys are coming back here. The dude with the crowbar is coming back. He says, what is that, your off switch? He says, I use it for fixing tractors. I like the fish more and more. He took the crowbar from him and said, what is that, your off switch? <laughs> that dude was a mob. came back. I love now they're giving Mr. Kim shit. And they're quite angry. So that's just when we had first met the North Koreans and they end up surrounding us there and we can't leave. And then the fish takes out his shotgun. The fish was the most awesome dude ever. He's he's like the local mafia dude, just with all gold teeth and like a Adidas tracksuit. <laughs> and he's just like, "This is Russia. You can't fuck with me." Oh, there's a, there's another one. I don't know what that one is. Stepong. Dipkun, Russia. This is yeah. Tr into the middle of the forest. This is a logging camp run by North Koreans. You can see there's a North Korean flag and North Korean propaganda in here. There's some North Koreans waving at us over there. All this wood is going to England. When we get off this train, <laughs> we're going to go out into the camps where they actually log out in the middle of Siberia. Holy freaky, fuck. Freaky, freaky business. This is like four, hour, four hours, four days from anything, and all of a sudden you just got trees, 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 trees. North Korea. <laughs> wow. Camp. North Korea camp, North Korea camp, North Korea camp. And then when we got off, they were really not happy to see us. They were How really did you find out about all this? This dude, Simon, is, you know, he's a Russian journalist, and he had heard that Russians couldn't get jobs in, in, in the Far East because of slaves. And he was like, what? So he went out and checked it out. But no one had really ever done the story except for him. He just did it on a, um, on a, on a, on a, on a small program there. 
And then he 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 didn't go d- as deep as we went. He didn't, so he wanted to go back and and, and of course there. he didn't go as deep as you went. <laughs> Who the fuck would? Yeah, and so and so we went and and uh, it was fucked up. Like North Korean slaves in Siberia it was it was a messed up messed up uh, trip. Why isn't Geraldo Rivera covered this? <laughs> I don't fucking. Well, know. Where are you, Geraldo? I don't think anyone cares. They're like, okay, who cares? North, I, but North they Korean should care slaves. just because it's so crazy. I mean, it's, it's just pretty crazy. Oh, so the reason why? So we get to the Chinese border. And we're like, finally, we got out. And, we, and, and right when we were there, so we were in the Amur region, the far eastern Amur region, and Kim Jong-il, who hasn't left North Korea in like seven years, uh, met uh, uh, Medvedev in, in the Amur region. So right when we were there, Kim Jong-il was in the same region to talk about new labor and uh, trade agreements, which means more fucking slaves. So that's why they were so freaked out. Is because they don't, obviously Russia doesn't. They think, oh, we're Europe, we're smart, we're like everybody else. They don't want people to know that they have North Korean slaves, so they they were trying to shut it down. And meanwhile, we were there right when Kim Jong Un was there. We didn't know it until we got into China. It was it was crazy. Wow! Imagine if they had caught you there. Would have been bad. Fuck. Do you worry about that when you're doing these sort of stories? I mean, is that in the back of your head or you just go, go, go? I think that, you know, people always say, like, what's the scariest place you've ever been to? And it's funny because I think that in places like Russia or Iran or even Afghanistan, places like that, if you're going to get caught, they're going to, you're going to go to like jail and it'll be unpleasant. But somebody's going to make some deal to get you out. Somebody's going to sort of, you know, do a trade or put pressure on or do whatever to get you out. <clears throat> Whereas if you go to like Mexico, you know, and you're doing some narco shit, they'll just kill you like, fuck it. If there's any question mark at all, just kill them, you know? Like, you know, when I did narco cinema, and when I just come out of Iraq, you know, there's 50,000 narco-related killings a year in Mexico. And you're just like, that's way more than Iraq. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. way, like, so when you start to do, one of the stories we want to do uh, now is um, fundamentalist Mormons from America, um, you know, went down there when, when they, they were sort of, sort of forced to give up uh, polygamy. And so they, they, they went down to Mexico. Mexico, yeah. So, well, Mitt Romney's grandfather was one of them. Oh my yeah. God! And so, and so, Somebody get that to someone in a debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he went down there. So they have these like militias and shit, right? And now what's happened because they're fairly wealthy, the cartels have started kidnapping them, right? So there's a war going on between the cartels and the Mormon polygamist extremist militias, right? The Americans. Holy shit. Yeah. So they have like American colonies of Mormons down there? Correct. How many how many people? Well that's so that's the thing. There's like there's a few of them. They're quite big colonies, but you know, I'd, you know, we don't know exact numbers, but somewhere around twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Can can I grab one of those? Is that oh, yeah, yeah. twenty or thirty thousand? I shouldn't say, I don't know the exact numbers. We were supposed to go down and Wow. And talk, but so anyway, so but, they've but like Mexico, basically when started doing, their when, own little mini civilization. Yeah, right? exactly. So when, you, but when you're when you're when you're in Mexico, like two, two stories, like you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, Iraq is scary, and you're like, actually, Jamaica was scary because when I went down to Jamaica, um, you know, I, I went down and I met uh, Dudas, who's like ran the shower posse, he was one of the biggest drug dealers in America, and uh, in fact, America. Um, we're going to call out all Jamaica's loans, uh, you know, bankrupt the country unless they gave them Duddas. But Duddas was like, he was like the most powerful man in the country, so they didn't want to give him up. So there was like raging gun battles in Kingston and shit. So I interviewed him, but then there was this war between like Movado 
is a, a dance hall guy in Vibes Cartel and Gullah and Gaza crew. And they were fighting each other and Duddis had this like peace concert and shit. But anyways, they used to have this party called Pasa Pasa in Kingston. And uh, it's in, it's in uh, Tivoli. And, and it was run by Duddis, this coke, the biggest coke dealer. <clears throat> and when you go down there, on every street corner, there's dudes with AK-47s. And you're like a pork ball. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck are you doing here? This isn't for you to be here. And meanwhile, like, America's trying to extradite their god, Duddus. And so I was down there, and, and, and I was with some dance hall guys, and they were, like, speeding through, and they wouldn't stop at red lights. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, damn, a lot of gunshot down here. You know, like, like people were just getting shot and, like, like, super violent. And by the way, if they killed you, it wouldn't be a bad thing. They'd be like, good, fucking, you know, you killed the guy. He shouldn't be here. So... You know, Jamaica, Mexico for sure when you're doing anything with narco because they'll just kill you just for being there. Why the fuck are you here? And then the favelas in Brazil because it's the same thing. They're just like, why the fuck are you here? There's no reason for you to be here, you know? Yeah, that's amazing, man. Now, when you go and you do these uh, these Mexico trips, do mm. you do you have like someone who guides you and keeps you safe? Like, how do you? Because uh, I told we had Anthony Bourdain on. And he yeah. said one of the things you got to get a local guy yeah. when you go to these crazy spots. You get a local guy who's like you know a handler, and that guy takes care of everything in town. You pay him. Yeah. Do you guys do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely have to have local guys. I don't believe in security, or definitely not like, you know. For sure, not like Western bodyguards or like pilgrims or any of those big, kind of guys. obvious, visible, big yeah, guys talking into their yeah. wrists and shit. That's just stupid because they're just gonna attract say, attention. What, what the fuck is going on here? Let's get them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, you need local fixers in Mexico. We have thirty-four offices around the world, so we we have our own guys, local guys, pretty much everywhere. And then you have like local fixers who you know know the terrain, know the language, know you know what's going on, and you know how to get you out of shit. And you guys started this, you were doing a, a magazine called Voice? Yeah. And then you took it over and took the O out and just called it Vice? Yeah, it was, it was called Voice of Montreal. And it was, a, it was sort of a welfare project in Canada uh, run by Haitians. And they were doing a, a Black History Month thing. And they, they figured they could get more money out of the government by doing an English language cultural publication. And so <clears throat> we were all working there. I wanted to be a writer, so I was like, I finally got a job. <laughs> and meanwhile, Quebec was trying to separate from the rest of Canada, so like English language publications became illegal. So, like, you know, no audience. And uh, so, anyway, eventually they couldn't pay us our wages and stuff. So we said, okay, well, we own it now. So we dropped the O and just called it Vice. And like everyone's like, what a great name! How do you think it up? Fucking name! How do you think it up? And we're like, we just dropped the O, you know. It's and a, it's and a perfect story. Yeah, and then we st we moved to the states, and then we, then we st started expanding, and now we're in thirty four countries. And where are you guys based out of? You're based out of New York. New York and London are our two our two hubs, and we're, our, our biggest office next year is going to be in China. And how long have you been doing this? Sixteen years. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm old man. God damn! And now it's music. It's you even have a clothing line and like yeah. everything now. It's yeah, like we have a, a record huge. label and films and TV and uh, wow. mag and online and all our different verticals and events and. That's awesome. And was this a plan from the very beginning to branch off in all these different directions, or it just sort of naturally happened? Yeah, no, there was. Uh, we never had a business plan. We never knew anything. We never <laughs> thought about it. Really, what happened was. Uh, you know, we wanted, they outlawed English basically in Quebec. So we, we went national in Canada 
we're the biggest magazine in Canada, but that was like being the biggest magazine in Reykjavik or something. We're the number one podcast in Canada. Really? <laughs> hey, Canada. All right. <laughs> love Canada. Canada's I do good. too. I love Canada. I'm, that's where I'm going to move if shit gets bad. Yeah, Vancouver. That, well, when, I came real close in 2004. I was looking at space in Vancouver. Really? Yeah. yeah I was thinking about it. I wouldn't, then, I wouldn't go to, you got to go to the, because it's going to get real bad. You got to get to like one, the, north of where I grew up in Ottawa, there's like a million lakes. You can just buy a lake for like a hundred bucks. You got to buy a lake and, you know, build a cabin on the lake because when shit gets bad, you got to get far away from the cities. When shit gets that bad, though, you might want to just die. <laughs> yeah. You want to live like in Liberia, you know? I don't want to. I don't want to live, like live that. on I'd rather lake. take a bullet. Yeah. I'd rather take a bullet than live like that. A, a stump. OD on Flintstone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think you can, Brian. Yeah, you can. I think that's a rumor. Um, so you, you, so you guys started now, how did you get started from going from a magazine to these incredible in-depth yeah. on-scene investigative pieces that you're doing? Well, what was the first one? Heavy metal in Baghdad. So, um, we, for about a decade, we were kind of a style mag. So we were really just interested in cocaine and supermodels and denim. <laughs> <laughs> and so like but why? these these jeans are weird and uh we had it was because it was fun it was a lot of fun and we were kids and and uh and then when we started expanding around the world we're like oh shit is fucked up like holy fuck have you have you seen this you know and and, and we'd write about it and people like i've never heard about that what the fuck's going on we're like yeah it's crazy so that happened as well as the sort of failure of mainstream media during um you know the Iraq you know, war um, with everyone saying like weapons of mass destruction, just lying. And they knew that there was no weapons of mass destruction, all this shit. And so um, we did a, a thing where we went to, uh, we snuck into Iraq um, and we went to uh, hang out with the only heavy metal band in Baghdad across the Cauda. And it was supposed to be like a seven minute piece. It was the first piece we launched VBS with. And, um, you know, eventually we shot them over three years and we turned it into a feature film that won Critics' Choice in Toronto. It won Best Documentary in Berlin Film Festival. Like, it got picked up by the BBC, by Canal Plus. Well, you My know. friend Eddie raves about it. Eddie Bravo raves about that movie. And so all, everyone's like, you know, oh, that's like news. You know, we're like, we're following a band. But you saw the whole thing unfold, like how everything was fucked up and shit. And people could relate to it because they're like, oh, I'm in a band. And then their band gets, their uh, practice space gets bombed by a Scud missile. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're going to be killed because they wear like Iron Maiden t-shirts or like they headbang, which is seen as Jewish. So therefore <laughs> they'll cut your head off and shit. And so <clears throat> that was the first thing. And it was so successful that, and we love doing it that we started saying, well, why don't we, the whole, everyone's like, what's your, been your demo and what's your business plan and all this shit? And we're just like, we have none. All we do is stories that we like. So if, we, if, if there's a story like General Butt Naked in the Tupac Army, that's a fucking jaw dropper. We're going to go shoot that, you know? And so we started shooting it and people were like, I've never heard anything like this. What the fuck? And so more and more and more people started watching and, and, and we started doing it more and more. If I have any criticism is that sometimes it's hard to find shit. Like, you have a bunch of different shows on Vice.com. Yeah. There's so many different ones. Like, I was trying to find Heinmo's Adventure, the yeah. dude who lives up in the Arctic, yeah. who lives in, like, East Alaska. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't find it. I had to Google it and then find it through Google. Yeah, we suck. 
We're only good at... I couldn't find it on your website. And it's not, it's not on Netflix anymore either. We're, we're only good at one thing. We're good at making content. We're not good at anything else. Yeah, so. but someone should be good at doing that for you. Well, you this dude to, here, look at this fucking thing. Yeah, this, this is the we need, master. We need to steal him and have him come hey. over. And fucking <laughs> He's not going to the Congo, bro. Trust me. You <laughs> no. don't want anybody crying in your lap. <laughs> no, I would be the crier. I would be the... You could throw me out though first, so I would be eaten first, I guess. He would definitely be eaten first. He's fleshy <laughs> and he won't even run. He'll just... No, I'll cry. He's like a rat. Rabbit with epilepsy, <laughs> just fall and start shaking in a little soft, I'd probably fluffy survive. bundle. I'd probably survive though. They'd be like, "Oh, I'm not gonna eat that." You'd thing. come back with abs, <laughs> hardened, doing chin-ups in the jungle. It would totally change. Well, your the life. most hugely strong dudes I've ever seen in my life actually were in Liberia because they don't have water, so they do this thing where they go way out into the like the outskirts in the jungle. And they fill up these like two-ton wooden carts with water, and one guy pushes, and one guy pulls, or two or three, and they just up and down these hills all day long. They don't eat anything, and they just push like two tons up a hill, two oh tons down a hill, God. and they're just fucking massive. Like it's like Conan, you know? He pushed the wheel yeah. for ten years. Yeah. You know? Well, that's these kind of dudes. Just fucking massive dudes. Wow. Anyway, what a fucking insane place on earth that is. Yeah. I just can't, I, I'll never be able to get over the fact that that exists right while this exists, you know, and we could be, that's one, no one wants to put their head there, but you could have been born there, man. That yeah. could have been your shitty roll of the dice. True. You could have been shit out in the bottom of a hut in, in the middle of Liberia. Yeah. Just as easily as you could have in Montreal. Yeah. Fuck. So you start out, you do this Baghdad thing, then how, did, how does it branch out into what you have now? Because now you guys have... You know, I mean, yeah. Thailand and Liberia, and I yeah. saw the Chernobyl thing. Yeah. That was fucking nuts, man. Did yeah. you worry about that? I mean, you're you're there in some serious fucking radiation. Yeah, I was drunk that that whole trip <laughs> because uh, does the drug does the alcohol supposedly protect well, you from two radiation? Things, two things I heard. Uh, God knows if they're true, <laughs> but I heard them, so I believe them as fact. One that the doctors in. Um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki lived because they got so bummed out like by skin falling off and shit that they would get wasted and alcohol is a diuretic so it forces you to piss so it flushes out the radiation in your system right and also the firemen in Chernobyl lived because they were they, they would get drunk every night and so when we were there <clears throat> they actually said take your medicine and it was like brandy you know so we were just drinking this like homemade brandy the whole time we were there and I was loaded uh, and we were like laughing, you know, with the Geiger counter as it goes up to like 1,500, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, you know, and you're just like, you know, 1,500, 1,500, 1,600, you know, and, and meanwhile, just because you're drunk. And then when you go back, they have like a Geiger counter to test your shoes and they're just like, you know, straight, <laughs> straight to red. So I just sort of threw everything out, you know, bought like a silver, clothes. a silver Ukrainian suit and sort of, you know, I'm, no. What's a normal out. level? What's like a, a healthy level? I think it's like 0.25 millirangans is 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 hot, and and we were at like 1500. Oh my <laughs> god! Have you had any side effects? Have you been going to the doctor like like regularly? Like, are you freaking out about it at all? I, I do not go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Pour I some wine I, on your feet. I, yeah, I just I, I'm Irish, so I'm just like have a whiskey and you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but. You know, uh, I was just in Japan, actually, and, and, and what's going down there, you want to talk about Mad Max, is, like, that's fucking crazy shit. And, and we're actually going to go back and shoot. We were doing the preliminary thing there, and, like, the, the actual reactors, um, the, the steel, the containment of the reactors is now melting in, in, into the sort of groundwater and melting into the, the soil. 
And there's like major cities there of like 500,000 people that are completely fucking irradiated. And they're not telling people the truth and the kids know that it's wrong. They're really frustrated and they're really angry. And, and the government's just like denying shit. And, and both Chernobyl and, and, and in Japan, I was shocked because everyone, because, you know, energy, people are going, oh, nu- you know, nuclear power, nuclear power, it's, you know, it's the future, it's great, whatever. And you, you just go there and you go, if it fucks up even this much, if it fucks up just a tiny bit, like, you know, in, in the Ukraine, an area the size of France is still completely irradiated, you know, and you're just like, well, <laughs> I mean, what the, like, how is this even a fucking option? Yeah, how is it a possibility that you could have one mistake or a natural disaster like oh, a tsunami? Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that and they only fucked. they only planned for what was an eight point two or something yeah, like yeah. that. That's as bad as it could get, and mm-hmm. they got a nine, mm-hmm. and it just wrecked everything. And then yeah. the power goes out, and they can't cool everything off, and then they're pouring ocean water on yeah, it, and yeah. that water is now back in the ocean. They, yeah. they, there's a, an online um, uh, presentation that shows the irradiated water and how it's moving through yeah, the yeah. Pacific Ocean. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's beyond terrifying, and what's happening in Japan now is, uh, I mean, it just shows you like, well, what are they go- what what can they do? How are they going to evacuate a million people? Where the fuck are they going to evacuate them to? And and how big is Japan? Like, what is the total size of it? Is it possible that the entire Japanese island will get irradiated? Well, no, because it's I, oh, I now I'm going to show myself up here for being a bad boy, but I think it's like seven major islands. Um. So, you know, there's, you know, Sapporo's on the north one. And so they have different islands, but it, it, it is definitely, it's, it's sort of this area that's about an hour and a half, two hours north of Tokyo, but it's actually sort of heavily populated around there. Two hours drive? Yeah. So, the, and that's, you could be that close to a horrible nuclear disaster like that? Two yeah. hours drive? Yeah. That and well, and there's a lot safe. of, well, there's, a, there's like, you know, Japan, when we first started having our office there, was like, you know, the future. It was like, you know, wow, they're it's way ahead of us and technology and, you know, everything else. And now when you go there, you know, there's no air conditioning, so it's everybody's really hot and the the lights are at like half light and, you know, even stupid shit like we were at karaoke and like the it'll just go and slow down because the, the power's Whoa. all fucked up and it's it feels kind of like a ghost town. Lots of people oh, have left. That's so creepy. And it, yeah, it's like oh, it, it, it's gone beyond future. It's gone to like it was the future, and now it's like post future. And if it's the po- if that's the post future, then we should drink a lot today because it's going <laughs> to not be pleasant. Uh, it's like a movie Akira. I'm yeah. going there for the first time in February for the UFC. Going to Tokyo. Are you really? Yeah. yeah. I flew over. I flew terrifying? over with a bunch of wrestlers. There was a big. I was just there uh, two days ago or three days ago or something. And there was just a bunch of huge, huge fucking wrestlers. Those boys are big. The wrestling dudes. Not the UFC dudes. I'm just drawing in a Japanese analogy. wrestlers? Were they Japanese? No, they were like WWE dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, most of those guys were real wrestlers originally. Really? A lot of them were, at yeah. least. You know, but there's no real outlet for amateur wrestlers if they want to go into professional sports except for MMA. Well, now so MMA. But, but MMA to me seems like. You know, real fighting, the ultimate fighting. Whatever. It's a big difference. Re- it wrestling, should... it doesn't. It doesn't seem to me to be real. Well, well, the real amateur wrestling is a great sport, yeah. but unfortunately, it never got popular enough to be a professional sport. They've tried it a bunch of times. There's a lot of wrestlers the in MMA. Sport of real, yeah, because you can but, learn striking. Yes. but it's hard to learn the wrestling part. Well, it's a great base, mm-hmm. and it's also those guys are tough as shit. If you go mm-hmm. through wrestling practice, wrestling practice. I only wrestled one year in high school, and it was one of the toughest things athletically I ever did. The practices yeah. are absolutely brutal. Yeah. You 
you know, especially if you have You're a very strong guy. It's it's a it's a just a grueling kind of a workout, yeah. and they're mentally tough because of it. It's just, I, I went and hung out with a bunch of um, jujitsu guys with uh, Daniel Gracie. In, oh yeah, in Brazil, in Rio, in uh, well Rio and yes Rio, and uh, we went to the favelas to where they they train like by running barefoot up mountains and beating the shit out of tractor tires and. They have full on, full contact training where they knock each other out and practice and shit. And he took me all around and <clears throat> those those dudes are tough. Like I don't know how anyone can beat a Brazilian <laughs> because they're fucking tough motherfuckers. Well, there's a lot of Brazilian champions now. One of the yeah, Brazilian, uh, one of the ultimate fighters, the uh, this last season that happened last weekend, this past weekend, one of them was a Brazilian kid. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, three Brazilian champions now. Yeah. You know, and who knows how many more? Yeah, we were doing the Valley Tudo stuff, which is anything goes. No weight class, no age, no gender. <laughs> so you guys uh, covered that stuff? Yeah. yeah covered. Saw, they yeah. usually have weight classes in Valley Tudo fights, but you guys and will fight yeah, bigger we, guys. We had the, well, we had, we were going to the Valley Tudo, like the full on, uh, like anything goes Valley Tudo stuff. Uh, what was, what's interesting is that the great, that's how the Gracie started is they would, they would fight anybody from any style, any weight class, anything. They, and they would have a, uh, you know, hundred dollar, a hundred, a hundred thousand dollar, prize if you could beat a Gracie and and that's how the, the whole sort of Valley Tudo thing started in that MMA yeah it's really fascinating when you find out that jiu-jitsu really was started by two guys I mean it wasn't started by two guys it was it was judo in Japan and yeah. you know and and Japanese jiu-jitsu and you know submission wrestling has yeah. been existing in many forms for a long time but what with Brazilian jiu-jitsu the really technical version of Brazilian jiu-jitsu was really started by Elio Gracie and Carlos Gracie yeah. two bad motherfuckers yeah. from this one f family in Brazil yeah. that created an army of super killers yeah uh, Daniel Gracie was three-time world uh, jiu-jitsu champion and so he's more of a jiu-jitsu guy yeah he's well a big big motherfucker jiu-jitsu is a much safer way to to compete yeah. you know when you you start getting involved with head trauma yeah. that's when things get get yeah. sketchy yeah you know the uh, the uh, returns aren't the same no. you know yeah and you're going to lose. Everyone's going to lose. But if you lose in a jiu-jitsu tournament, you know, you occasionally get your arm popped. You, you could even, you know, have, a, have to have a surgery on a knee or something like that. But yeah. if you lose in an MMA fight, that's a completely different animal. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a hard world. It is. So Mayhem le uh, lost that last fight? I don't yep. Yeah, he got beat up. He gassed. Uh, I don't know what happened. Um, uh, it could have been that he hadn't fought in a long time. It could have been that it was a giant adrenaline dump, but uh, he got tired really quickly. And Michael Bisping fought a real good fight. And Michael Bisping looked better than he's ever looked before. And he yeah, he, he beat the shit out of Jason, especially standing up. Wow. Standing up, he, uh, he really just boxed his face in have you talked to him since then no i'm gonna let him chill out you know i know i know jason you know this is a big disappointing loss for a guy like him so just yeah. gonna let him just right. relax and maybe he'll come back on the podcast once he's you know he's gonna be bummed out for a while but he'll be back you know the the thing about fighting is a lot of it is uh, psychological mm -hmm. a lot of it is just being able to perform in the, in the moment you know and For a lot sure. of people are dwarfed by that moment they just they tense up and their mm -hmm. adrenaline gets to them and they get nervous and they just they just can't do it yeah. you know well it's also like fighting you know when you're used to winning you're just like i'm always gonna win yeah and then when someone beats you down you're like what it's quite you big like look at george foreman like he was the baddest man on the planet. He was the ba and then when he after he got beat, he's just like, okay, I'm done. 
That's yeah. it. Like, forget it. Yeah, Ali beat him, and then he came back, and he fought someone else. He fought one other guy and had, like, this crazy rock em sock em robots fight. Yeah. And uh, and then he took yeah well they both got knocked down like three oh, times yeah, each yeah. and and then he's like fuck this fuck this, yeah. and then he became a preacher yeah. and then big and fat at thirty six years and then came back decides to make a comeback really fat too yeah, I mean, yeah. I, everybody I like, thought I it was like, a joke I like that style of boxing too when he <laughs> yeah. uh, he looked like a weeble you know where he yeah. just he had his left right out and he'd just sort of rock back and forth yeah and he was just waiting for that right hand to come out but the thing is when it came when it, it came, was like getting hit done. by a telephone pole it was it, like somebody yeah. thrusted a yeah. telephone pole. Yeah. Donk. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, when you were in Thailand, did you get to uh, go and uh, check out any of the Muay Thai fights? I did, actually. I uh, interviewed the beautiful boxer. Do you know, do you know about her? Is that the she-male? Yeah. So she used to be a guy? Used to be a guy, uh, became a she-male, and then became the champion Muay Thai boxer for her um, weight class. And she used to do this. She, her signature move was she'd run up your legs. The knee in the face. So, so if, you know, you, in the classic Muay Thai, they sort of plant. And she would do this thing where she'd run up your legs and kick you in the face. And then Was they, she fighting men? or Men, men, only men, yeah. And then when the men would go down, she'd kiss them on the lips as a, as a fuck you because like, they, they didn't want her to fight and stuff. She had a, she had a big uh, a target on her back. And, and so was she, she uh, post-op? Oh, I don't fucking know. See, what did it feel like? I think the story is. <laughs> see, the story is there was one one of these women that was a fucking killer until she got the surgery, right. and then essentially they take your balls away. And when yeah. they take your balls away, you no longer have testosterone. She right, lost her yeah. muscle tone, yeah. and and you know she essentially became a real girl. And yeah. she was fighting guys, and they yeah. were kicking her in the fucking head all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she became champion. I don't think she she was real really. She was a celebrity. I don't think she was really fighting that much anymore. Um, and, but she might have had the operation. Isn't it funny know. that you have to I keep get, calling her she? I get them all confused because I, there was a lot of them. Uh, I was interviewing a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a lot. I, I, was, I was surrounded by she-males uh, for a time in my life in, in Thailand. Wow. So um, when, when she originally started fighting, she was fighting men. But then after yeah. she got the operation, even though she's, you're calling her a she, she's yeah. still fighting men. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. the fuck is that? Why, I mean, we think that that's like the whole point of... Getting the operation, you're a woman well, now. She, she, you know, she she started b- getting into Muay Thai because she was uh, getting picked on for being, you know, uh, a female, and then uh, so she, you know, she she wanted to beat the shit out of everybody, and she did. And uh, <laughs> but I think by the time by the time I met her, I think she was pro- maybe I, 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 I asked the question, so I, but I don't remember the answer. But I think she was she was post op, but she had just had the operation, but she wasn't fighting anymore. She got the money. She got the money to do it through fighting. Wow! So she financed her surgery, her transgender surgery, yeah. sexual reassignment surgery, yeah, through kicking people, ki- kicking people's asses. Yeah. <sighs> and tough. Those guys are tough as fucking hell. Fuck yeah! That's yeah. one of the most brutal martial arts in the world, yeah. and they start really, really young. Mm-hmm. That's a, a strange thing to cover just in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who uh, went over there, and he was over there for a, a long time, like mm. several, several months, just mm. training in Muay Thai. Yeah. Sam Shepard, he wrote a book about it. And, right. You know, and he uh, was Not on the a, Sam Shepard. No. Oh. No, a different one. Different guy. An MMA author. All oh, right, right. Who's the Sam Shepard? Is that a... Um, He's like a famous writer, playwright, you know? No, dude. I better not be saying this guy's wrong last name because I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm going to get another drink. 
Get it's right there, buddy. Right. Um, so when you were uh, in Thailand, tell me what is there an, a reason? Do they have like some sort of a, a, a rationalization for why there are so many lady boys there? Like yeah, what? I, what causes one place to have such an exorbitant amount of men that dress like women? I asked uh, uh, Sam Sher- I Sheridan. Asked, Sam Sheridan, uh, you dumb yeah. motherfucker. Dumb as fuck, dude. I asked that a lot. Uh, why there's so many lady boys there? And they were like, well, you know, we're very feminine and it's Buddhist, so it's not frowned upon. And I'm like, yeah, but even if it wasn't frowned upon in other places, like they have like 100% more lady boys than anywhere. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, no one has a reason. I don't know. It's weird. Though. And they look the best looking lady boys. Yeah. The most so there's authentic. This one, there's this one town, the most authentic. Well, German look lady boys are just so sad. If you want an authentic lady boy, go to Thailand. Yeah, but if you see like a German, you know, a fucking Austrian or lady a, boy. Or American. Yeah. American big, are the worst. Big, huge fucking football players. Yeah, they want to suck a cock. <laughs> uh, like, wish they were a girl. That's a strange thing, man, because it's not it's not gay and it's not straight. It's like no, you're, you're women, doing... They're women in men's bodies. What the they fuck will, is going they on? They want to be free. Some the of coconuts. them don't even. They just get off on dressing like women. Sure. You know, Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> yeah, that's his Likes kink. to dress like a woman. Really? His kink. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Hoffa. He actually Jimmy admitted Hoffa. to Hoffa. it. Hoffa. No. Who's the guy? Sam Shepard. Jagger Hoover. Jagger That was De La Hoya, like kept it a secret forever and really? paid the girl off and you know and sued everybody who tried to say any differently well, that's probably why he's experts. such a good boxer he knows how to avoid <laughs> duck haymakers that ain't me in the girl's underwear <laughs> <laughs> he uh apparently he's just got a kink he just wow. likes, likes dressing up like a girl but he fucks these girls mm. so it's like hmm okay I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're entitled to it. You, you I don't even know. It. Everyone was always like, didn't son, did you fuck them? Did you fuck them? And I'm like, you understand that there's like two good dudes with cameras and lighting rigs and shit. Like, yeah. It's like we're right there to shoot something. I don't even actually suspect know why we were there. We were shooting. Females are always a good story, A. But B, I think we were shooting Beautiful Boxer. And we're like, oh, you know, an hour and a half south of, of Bangkok, there's Pattaya, which is the, the shemale capital of the world. It's like, and... It became big because all the uh, dudes from Vietnam would go there on R and R, and so they would all fuck females. And now, Jesus Christ! And, well, now like the, the whatever the seventh fleet or whatever the fuck it is comes in there, and they all have their R and R, and it's all females. So we heard that there was this place where there's like this female beauty pageant, and then they have a, a like a shooting range downstairs where you can shoot machine guns and shit. So we're like, okay, we can go get like ten. You know, she males dressed up like Marilyn Monroe and shoot machine guns with them. Like, <laughs> we have to do that. So we did that, and then and then Ugh. and then we decided to interview them. And by then, I had a few ales, so they're like, "Get in a hot tub." And I'm like, "Okay." I'm yeah, well, that's tub. what was the craziest shit when you were. That's one of the th- first things I ever saw you do. You're in this hot tub with these lady boys. I'm like, who is this wild motherfucker? He doesn't. <laughs> That's not so wild. That's like, pretty wild, All right. dude. I like Come to on, have. Man. A, I'd like to have a bath. Yeah, Yo, you were smiling <laughs> with them and laughing and having sure. a good time. And yeah, I wonder why people asked you if you fucked them because it seemed like you <laughs> fucked them. So if I had a guess, he'd be like, yeah, man. I, I have a friend who's a comic, and he uh, was uh, doing this show with a, a, a lady boy, and she was really hot. And she offered to blow him, and he's like, all right. And I'm like, dude, you got blown by a guy. <laughs> he goes, maybe, yeah, but I never, re- I never saw a dick. I'm not really sure. To me, a hot chick blew me, sure. and it was awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, there was a while there that I was interested. I, know. I was interested in in weird shit, and there was a, I did a a piece on uh, 
the in Japan they they grow up uh, masturbating to cartoons. You know, like the porn is cartoons. yeah tentacle baby. What yeah. is that about? <clears throat> I don't know. It's hot, Joe. But have you seen their? They have really good artists there. Yeah, it's pretty good. But they grow up like cartoons are like porn, right? So now they have these brothels, like whorehouses, right? But they're dolls, real dolls, like so, like twenty grand, thirty grand, and but they they're like cartoon characters, so you can fuck a cartoon, right? And so I did this uh, thing where I went and uh, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Japanese people are crazy, so. I, I went to these ghetto doll brothels. I went to these these brothels where you you dress them you dress them up and then you and then you fuck them, nice. and so I shot the whole thing and it was just a stupid little funny piece like oh Japanese people are crazy, and it <laughs> it was so it got picked up so much like it was like huge and so I did a follow up where they actually will deliver dolls to your house so you 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 you, you go online and you, you you say i want them to look like this cartoon character or i want them to look like a schoolgirl. i want them to look whatever you want them to look like and then they they bring the dolls to your house and then you spend like a weekend with them like having a party you know <laughs> drinking, sounds amazing drink, drinking doing whatever i would fucking what do that in a second <laughs> and so i so i did it so i filmed it you know and um and uh, again, like it was just hugely popular. And then I met this dude. Uh, so I was, you know, the guy Gaspar Noé. Do you know that director? No. He did a film called Irreversible. You know that film? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's got like the most, you know. Anyway, it's a he's a shocking director. Like I saw that film and I was like, that's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it was really fucking heavy. Uh, it, the heaviest film for I've you ever to seen. say that. You got to watch it. It's insane. Irreversible. And, irreversible. So he was shooting his his next film called Enter the Void in a place called uh, Kabukicho, which is run by the mafia. And Kabuki, like, you know, the Japanese opera shit. Well, Kabukicho now is just like orgy houses, sex houses, S&M houses. What is Enter the Void? Is that Enter the, the Void is the one I talked DMT? about, the DMT, and then Irreversible yeah. Yeah, was his that. first one, which was, I think, better than Enter the Void. Irreversible is like... So, like, it's amazing. The most creative thing about Enter the Void was the way it was shot. Yeah. You know, when so you he, he actually had cameras in Kabukicho just, like, hanging from light. And he would, like, they would spin, and he would just let them run. Yeah. And he wouldn't even be on the set. He'd be, like, in a bar, like, four blocks away. And he, <laughs> he had to pay off the yakas and stuff. So I ended up doing sort of the making of them. I followed him for a while because it was, like, my friend Harmony Corinne who uh, – who does uh, you know? He's a filmmaker. He did like Gummo, and he was you know wrote kids. Um, he's like, you want to talk about? Cause I was doing a film show at the time for I see, and he was like, you want to talk about the craziest film shit ever? You got to go to Tokyo and see Gaspar Noé because he's paid off the mafia and he's just got these fucking cameras swirling on bungee cords and shit, and everyone's <laughs> fucking everybody else. So I went there and 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 I met these um, directors through him that do this thing called Genki, which means good or clean. And it's a uh, it's it's a porn. It's kind of porn um, where they fuck food. So, for example, they'll get a fish yeah. to felch like milk out of a girl's ass, and then they eat the fish. <laughs> a- or they'll fuck eels, or like they'll fuck wow, like. That's, that's awesome. like when you see the videos of girls with eels up their asses. Yeah, and there was one where like a mud skipper came out. Have you ever seen a mud skipper? <laughs> no. What's a mud? Mud skipper is like this. It looks like an alien. It's kind of like this translucent thing with big black eyes that sort of see through with red veins and you're just like that no way is anyone putting that up my ass that's like an alien motherfucker wow, wow. and and so they're they're doing all this this crazy eel porn and octopus porn and and fish felching and you're just like this is the most fucked up 
shit I've ever seen in my life. And they're like, I know it's called Genki. <laughs> You're just like, Jesus. I, I thought the fucking cartoon dolls were bad, but shoving, you know, mud skippers up. Has all this traveling and all this crazy shit that you've seen, has this given you any unusual insight to human nature? Because yeah, I got to think, you've seen some shit. Yeah. You have a much different perspective on the human race as a, if you were a scientist, mm. you know, and you were an objective scientist, you were studying Earth. You would have a a much different view of human beings than the average person. Well, you know, I think that uh, you know this is. <laughs> I wish I could have a better analogy to make myself look better, but there is this. There is definitely a sort of good and evil. There is a, a sort of yin and yang. That's what I was embarrassed of saying. But really, like in Liberia, for example, you have these guys who grow up like killing and eating people. And on the other side of it, there's just churches everywhere. Like churches and fucking every car has got a, you know, believe in Christ, uh, you know, bumper sticker or whatever. And so there's like these people just super good and like trying to be good. And, you know, and then other people are just like the worst, like the worst people on earth. And so there's there's definitely a good and evil vibe. And we have tremendous uh, capacity for good, but we also have tremendous capacity for evil. Like people do some fucked up shit, like bad stuff. Like eating a baby's heart, it doesn't get worse than that. But you know, people do really bad stuff, and and you know, you know, when they want to send a message, oh, just cut his arm off, or you know, there, there were AIDS brigades in Africa where they, you know, they would have whole brigades of people with AIDS, and then they would go and then in, in, intentionally infect other people because they wanted to effectively have uh, genocide. And you're sitting there going, this is what human beings are capable of. We are we are really bad. Like we're the worst. Also, I think. When you go to a lot of places, you're like, we're just destroying, like, we're, we're literally the stupidest race, or not race, uh, species, because we're destroying what we live in, you know, don't shit where you eat. Well, we're, we're like having projectile fucking diarrhea where we Everywhere. Live. We're, the ocean, just, yeah, the rainforests. Yeah. Just killing everything, everything. Yeah. We kind of have the Midas touch. We kill it, and we make money at the same time, and then it's dead. And so, you know... Every time we go anywhere now, it gets, our, everyone asks us our politics, and I say, look, it's just the absurdity of the modern condition. It's just fucking insane. Like, I was in China, and they had a two-and-a-half-week traffic jam, right? So, and every year, they have to sell 3% more cars just to break even, and you're in a two-and-a-half-week traffic jam. Two-and-a-half weeks. Yeah, it went from Mongolia to Beijing. It was a famous thing. It created a whole microeconomy, and there were people going out there selling food and clothes and shit to people who could how, how close? How fast are you going on this road? No, you're not. Yeah. At all? Yeah. You're not moving a, at all? It was literally a two-and-a-half-week traffic jam. Stop dead. Stop dead. Wow. What the and, fuck? And so, and so you're like, well, how many fucking cars do we need? And, you, you, you know, you've been around. You go to Brazil. You can't go. I was in Tehran, which I don't know why. I didn't think it was a real car place, but... You, you know, you, you'd, you'd go out, you'd sit in traffic for three hours, and you'd just go home because you, you, we couldn't get there. So you're like, well, it's, it's, it's ceased to work, yet we're still fucking making more and more and more and more and more. And so I think, you know, when you go to Japan and everyone, you know, is getting cooked on the inside and no one's admitting it, when you go to, you know, Russia where, where the mob is running everything and there's North Korean slaves and you go to, you know... Um, Africa, which, uh, you know, they're having war over every single mineral or anything that they can find that they're going to kill somebody else about. And it, you just start to say, okay, I mean, 
we're we're literally hovering on this sort of edge of of uh, it's funny because I'm a real uh, sort of optimistic guy and lately I've been sort of saying to people we should get a bolt hole somewhere. I was talking to you before we was <laughs> like we should get a bolt hole we should you know get that lake in Canada and get up there where there's fresh water because sometimes I was in South Africa and I was flying back uh in the plane and I watched collapse did you ever see that movie yeah I watched collapse and okay the guy's a bit of a fruitcake or whatever but I was watching and I was going shit you know because what I just saw in South Africa too had freaked me out so much South Africa's a fucked up place. What's fucked up about South Africa? You know, it's the most... When you say South Africa's a fucked up place, yeah. after you just got done talking about Liberia. <laughs> well, South Africa, because it's, it's, it's the richest country in Africa, and it's always heralded as sort of, um, you know, the, the you know, look at what's happening in South Africa. It's so good and so great and whatever. And we actually went down to shoot there, and, um, you know, it's... Uh, incredibly corrupt uh you know the police uh captains are always being arrested but basically it's completely uh incredibly racist incredibly segregated people living behind uh barbed wire and electric fences uh you know there's a famous uh, book called disgrace um which one I, I don't know the nobel prize or the booker prize one of them about a you know a, a guy from cape town a professor who gets um who gets uh, 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 disgraced by fucking one of his students and goes out into the townships and they end up getting their farm taken over and his daughter gets raped and he gets set on fire and all this shit. And, and you know, I was reading that before going there and I was like, well, that's just crazy shit. It doesn't happen. And when you're there, you're like, oh, that happens every fucking day. Like, it's full fucking on. And so as we were shooting, we were shooting the Afrikaans neighborhoods. And the Afrikaans are fighting, you know, the coloreds who are the mixed races who are fighting the blacks who are fighting the whites. And then the whites are just sort of in their compounds, electric wire and security and machine guns. And you're just like, holy fuck, dude. I'm like, why don't you go to Australia? Why wouldn't you just get the fuck out? Like, so they choose to stay for what reason? Yeah. What, what, why? Well, they're African. They're like, this, we, this is we're we African. We've been here, you know. Since the Dutch settled. Exactly. And so there's. When was like, that? What year was that? In the 1600s. And I, you know. The Bantu, there was the Bantu migration and the Zulu migration, and they both sort of happened relatively late uh, because South Africa is sort of hard to get to from the rest of the continent. And then so the Dutch got there, you know, a bit after, like 400 years or something. Now, don't, don't everyone <laughs> say that I'm wrong. I'm not, I don't know the actual right. exact times. Right, right, but, right. It was a, but so they've been there a long time. And, and, uh, but there's definitely a strategy of sort of, you know, and intimidation, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of institutionalized rape like there and and whenever you see that like when you're like rapes when rape is part of the equation and home takeovers and all this shit i'm out like you know that's that's it's just like not on so um this the the crime rate in south africa is just ridiculous compared to the rest of the world well it's It's just another example of africa africa just as a whole is pretty crazy yeah I mean, it's crazy, but South it's the craziest Af- spot on earth, right? But South Africa, you're, you're sort of like, well, South Africa is like I always thought of it as sort of, you know, Canada right. in Africa, you know, right. because it's just sort of, you know, it's rich or richer, and you know, it has these sort of you know modern cities, and you know, it, you know, just sort of, you know, and I grew up in the area of I'm not going to play Sun City, and you know, right, fuck, right, fuck right. apartheid and all that shit, which I agree. Uh, with uh, fuck apartheid and all that stuff, it just now when you go there, it's so segregated and so 
there's so much hatred and so much fucking violence and crazy shit going on every day and people driving in Mad Max electrified cars with machine guns and living behind electric fences and shit and you're like fuck is this what like is this where it's headed because this is the whole thing about Occupy Wall Street if you get to be to have too much discrepancy with money so these people have tons of money and they're living you know behind barbed wire electric wire compounds with security guards and machine guns and the other dudes are out fucking eating rats and smileys and whatever you know then you're like you know okay well there's going to be a fight there's going to be continual you know I, i'm going to take what you have you know when we were in when we were in somalia it's interesting because we went there with this story that was the pirate stock exchange right which we thought is a funny idea because what it is is poor people pay for uh, shares right in an rpg or a, or a machine gun and if it's part of a successful hijacking, they think they get their dividends back. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's the pirate uh, stock exchange, right? Holy shit. However, when we went there, so that's the story. But when we went there, we found out we're like, you know, the pirates are like, well, the Portuguese and Japanese and Spanish illegally overfished the area, took all the fish, killed all the fish. And so they have no fucking fish. And then an Italian... Um, waste management company um, dumped uh, radioactive waste all up and down the coast illegally. So they irradiated the beaches, killed all the fish, and they're like, what else the fuck are we going to do? Right? So they became pirates. And uh, so that's the story. And this is what we always like about going to story because you go to, to do a story like the Pirate Stock Exchange, which is just kind of like wild and weird. And then it turns out like we're not so far removed from this shit because you know we're part of the problem. We caused the problems that led to the piracy. Because people aren't actually going to go out and be pirates if you give them any other opportunity. But if you fuck their shit up and there's no food and there's no money and there's no beaches, there's no water, there's no nothing, what the hell else are they going to do? Didn't they call themselves the Voluntary Coast Guard of Somalia? Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. There's all different pirate groups. <sighs> you know, when you see this and you see these parts of the world that you can get to in an airplane in yeah, a day yeah. and you see how fucked they are yeah. and then you see shit like Occupy Wall Street and you realize like what a thin veneer of civilization we have mm. over, you know, just a, a, a boiling kettle of chaos mm. that is most of the world. Well, when I was in uh, Libya recently during the revolution, they were like, we just want freedom. There's actually one kid uh, in the thing who's just like, my dream is to play for the Dallas Mavericks. Whoa. And yeah, he was a, he was a like 17-year-old kid who was op- operating a grad missile launcher. It was like a truck with a you know, calliope on the back. of the, yeah. You know, yeah. So he was just in this truck with like 50 missiles. And he's like, Jesus. I want to play for the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, my God. And so... And so uh, Somebody call Mark Cuban. <laughs> there you go. That was his dream. And, and I asked all these dudes, they're all kids, and I was like, why are you fighting? And they're like, I want to fight for freedom. I'm one, just fighting for freedom. We want to be like everybody else. And it was, it was pretty inspiring because these guys have never known freedom. Gaddafi's been in there since 1969 or was in there. So they were just always under him. He's the worst dude ever. Like, he's the worst motherfucker. He actually put me in jail, so I hate him. He put but, you in jail? Yeah, the first time I went, I got arrested. Uh, I went for a youth conference which is the only way to, to get into Libya. And then I, I went to shoot the, the party of the, for the Lockerbie bomber guy, and I got put in jail. So. You got put in jail in Libya? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> what is that like? Uh, um, well, to be 
brutally honest it was really nice because they actually jailed me in their sort of only place that foreigners were really allowed to go which was this really nice hotel <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah but it was scary because they're just like we're gonna fuck you up and you can't say anything what the fuck are you doing and there's a lot of yelling and slapping and swearing and shit but um they were asking it was just a bummer slapping yeah <laughs> you know they, 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 they are, slap you around they a like to slap your face really <laughs> as if that's gonna make you like I, I'm, I'm waiting for them to sort of put like electrodes on my genitals or like shove a glass rod up my ass or slapping me i'm like okay good fine if that's all i get i'll be oh, it's fine so anyways they arrested me i got out i filmed part of it and i, I put it in the show and then a lot of Libyans had seen that, and I met a lot of Libyans when I was there. So when the revolution happened, they invited me to come over. So I went to Benghazi, and I went to Misrata, where the fighting was. We were completely surrounded, and we were fighting, pushing to Tripoli. And, you know, I was, everyone was just like, we're fighting for freedom, we're fighting for freedom. And it was like they were so positive, and they were, like, risking everything. And, like, there was one kid who had his leg blown off, and he snuck out of the hospital. They were going to f- send him to Germany and get him a new leg. And, and he wouldn't do it. He snuck out so he could get back and fight with his brothers. And, like, you know, he, f- he was fighting with a fucking spear gun and shit, you know, against tanks. And, and you know, they were doing it for freedom. And I, when I came back, I, I flew through some hub. I am in Chicago. I might have been in St. Louis. And just everyone was just fat, <laughs> like, eating cheese dogs and just sort of, like, you know, I was like, would these dudes fight for freedom? Like, would these dudes really sort of get up and give anything and fight with a spear gun against a tank? To fucking well, we've been complacent for so long. You know, yeah. we think that we have freedom already, and we think that everything's fine, and this is America. It, I think there, at least, they understood that they were being repressed by a dictator. Yeah. I think over there, they at least. You know, I just wonder how bad it would have to get for people to sort of, you know, say "fucking," I'm going to get off my couch and do something, which actually says something about America. Look, I'm Canadian. I came down here because. It's still, I, I'm the perfect example of the American dream. You can come here. You can do well. It is the best country in the world. You know, it's, it's the freest, you know, media country in the world. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And I love it. But at the same time, you know, you know we're not necessarily the most adept at fixing problems. Uh, no, we just rape. We just take their shit. We take other people. We go over there and we put them in hock, you know, yeah. and then we take their resources. Yeah. Where's this going, man? You're scaring the shit out of me. Everybody's scared. The whole the news scares the shit out of me. The internet scares let's, the shit out of me. You're scaring the shit out of me. Let's talk about shemales again. We'll lighten, <laughs> we'll lighten it up. I fucked a cartoon. There's no way it ends well, though. It just seems like unless no, the no, aliens no, land know, or we invent something crazy. Every time everyone asks me, they're like, you know, you've seen some bad shit. Uh, you know, what, 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 what do you think? Uh, you know, your, like your question. And I just have this flash. I don't know why. It's subconscious flash of. There's a movie called Angel Heart. You remember that movie? Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, and there was an old blues singer, and he was trying to, he was trying to get information from the blues singer, and the blues singer was like, "I don't know. I just drink the two Boots cocktails and whatever they put him. That's all I need." And I, he said, "So whenever I feel really bad, I'm just gonna have some of this whiskey that you have here, and you have one of these, and you go. Actually, it's not so bad." You know, it's world, a lot better than the people. The world is a nice place. You can have a hamburger on a Sunday. The thing is, it's <laughs> the best. That people have ever lived, supposedly. I don't know about overall, but at least yeah. America. This is the best humans have ever lived ever. Yes. But it seems like it's not going to last. Well, you know. It seems like it can't. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's by f- sort of fact of getting older, but, and you're like, well, it can't last, or it's not like it used to be. But uh, my problem is when I come back from, you know, India or Africa or, or Siberia or wherever, and you go to New York, and you're like, what the fuck do you want to eat? You yeah. can eat the best, whatever it is. You want 
you know, by the way, I was just in India. The best Indian food I've ever had is in New York. The best French food, the best Italian. And you're in New York. You can eat this. You can do this. You can go party online long. You want to do whatever you want. And you sit there and go, this can't go on. It's too good. New York is too fucking good. <laughs> you know, we, should, we can't, shouldn't be allowed to have this much fucking fun. So I do, I, do, I do have a bit of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. I definitely have a bit of that. Because when you see the alternative, like when it's going to be the road, you're probably right. You're probably just going to go, well, I had a good time. I'm going to leave you with this because I know you got to get out of here. But do you feel like a certain amount of responsibility for illuminating people and all these different things that you find? Because you guys are covering shit that not too many people are covering. You know, you you know, you joke around that you're not a real journalist, but I, I didn't know about Liberia the way mm. I know about it because of your, you know, I didn't know about Coltan. Right. You know, I didn't. You, know, this, you guys are letting people know a lot of shit. Do yeah. you feel responsibility? Well, I, I think so. I think, you know, there was a time when we realized you know, there was about 15 million people watching us every month. And, you know, we distribute about 2 million magazines. And we realized that we had a, a a big platform and that all we were talking about was like Nike, you know, limited edition Tokyo fucking come to Garcon trainers. And so at some point you're like, look, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. When we did Garbage Island, that was a big thing for us because we went out into the Pacific and there's an island were you guys the first to cover that? We were one of the first. I mean, we went out with the scientists that found it. It hadn't really been done by a ma- major media um, uh, outlet by the time. We've talked about it several times on this podcast. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah. And, and bigger now, right? Yeah. Well, it's just growing. And uh, so when we went out there, you realize, holy fuck, there's an island the size of Texas made out of plastic. Jesus Like, it's just, it's just. Texas. Like, yeah. Think about Texas. Going yeah. 70 miles an hour takes you a day to drive through it. yeah. And that's all plastic. Plastic. And so, well, now it's even worse because it's actually dissolving into sort of those little beads that they make all plastics from. And the krill and the shrimps and everything are eating that plastic, so it's entering into the food chain, which is corrupting the whole food chain. But at that point, you're like, well, what am I going to do? Talk about fucking shoes? I mean, yeah. <laughs> the whole food chain's getting fucked here. Like, you know. And, there's no- and by the way, I always say, if the world was going along tickety-boo, they, people wouldn't be looking to me for news. I mean, right. like, you know, it's so fucked that people had to go to Vice, which was, again, about cocaine and supermodels and denim, to go, oh, fuck, that's where I get my news? Then the world's really fucked. <laughs> you know, so, so... Do they have any ideas of how to clean that up? Is there any... Well, no. I mean, it's just uh, you have to stop making plastic and chucking it in the ocean. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, how are you going to do that? We're so disgusting. We eat all the fish. We poison it. We throw our fucking nuclear waste in it. We, we shit all over it. We send some shit into space. We just If we could pollute space, the sky would be littered. The sky would look like... It is littered. But it'd be it really, is. it would look like stars at night, just <laughs> things floating above us, yeah. slamming into each other. But listen, thank you very much for coming down here. Hey, this has been fucking awesome, man. We got to do this again next time you're in LA. Anytime, man. Uh, I, I Anytime. need to hear more shit. When is your show debut on HBO? So we're just shooting it now. Um, we're actually having a party tomorrow night uh, to celebrate. Uh, some, we got some pretty... Uh, I can't segment. believe I'm going to miss it to go to the fucking Today Show. <laughs> Today Show's very big, though. You're going to be a very popular young man. <sighs> I don't want to be any more popular. I'm good. <laughs> You're very popular. Uh, this whole thing has been like the most insane thing on Twitter. You're like the god of Twitter. No, hardly. You're, you're the sort of uh, sexy, beefier version of uh, Ashton Kutchner. <laughs> nice. I'll take that as a, a compliment, but... I don't want to. He's a, <laughs> he, he's, he's a nut bar. 
You think? Yeah. He's a young, handsome man that married a famous old lady. Yeah. You think he's nuts? And he's getting some uh, crazy, crazy pussy in a hotel room where he'd make them uh, give up their phones and give me your, your, your cell phones and hand them all to my bodyguard. You're all down with the Hollywood gossip. I just meant he was the, the first guy to get to the million Twitter uh, followers. Oh. That's all I know about. Oh, you don't know about but all you're, the, you're getting up. You're getting chat. up there fast. Or you're, like, you're like the fucking man. Well, you know, uh, the Twitter's a, an interesting little resource. The ability to communicate with all these interesting people. And people connected me to you on Twitter. Mm. And, you know, they've connected me to uh, Hamilton Morris on Twitter. A lot of different yeah. people on Twitter. He's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's Dennis McKenna. I got connected yeah. to him on Twitter. Yeah. It's it's amazing thing. The, the, the resource of the internet is just fucking fantastic. Yeah. And you guys are part of that. A big part of that. Well, thanks for having me. It was great. Please. And, uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. <laughs> this is fucking awesome. And please keep me in touch with anything you do. We'll promote the shit out oh. of it. For sure. And uh, to let us know when your HBO thing is, is ready to launch. All right. So let's pause for a minute. We'll let these guys go. And then Brian, you and I will wrap this up. All right, sweet. All so right, everybody at home watching online, just go take a leak. Thanks we'll be right back.